from what I found in the law dictionary that I have, riba is, or usury, the, the English term, the, the, you asked us to look up the, the English terms interest and usury, Sheikh. Is that what you're asking? I told you to look up both so that you would understand what they both are and the differences between the two. Okay? So, yes. What is, first of all, what is riba according to Islam? Nah. Hello? Riba. Yes. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Riba is any benefit that is given to someone for the use of their money. So it's money making money, right? Or time making money. Yes, sir. Right? Okay. Continue. Nah. Now it's up. When I looked up the definitions of interest and usury, yes. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. Interest is a general term for any property owned. And usury refers to the interest of money. So usury is a benefit given for the use of money. Give me an example. For example, the bank loans you $1,000. On the condition that when you pay back the money, you pay back a thousand and ten dollars. That's usury. Why aren't they doing you a service? Why? Because that's that's how Allah has defined it. Hold on. No, everything that Allah has defined, there has a reason behind it. What is the reason? Why is it illegal for them to charge you, for example, an extra ten dollars when they've loaned you a certain amount of money? Let's say a hundred dollars, and then they say we have to pay me a hundred and ten dollars back. Why is that wrong? Sheikh, one reason. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. One reason why this could be illegal in the Sharia is because this is a way of the rich unjustly making money off of the poor in their poverty. Right. So it's a it's a means of taking advantage of people and giving putting them and maintaining them in perpetual poverty. Okay, and it's considered blood money. And for that reason, we see that. Because remember, we have to go off with the precept at the very beginning, the concept that everything that Allah has made haram causes what? Harm. 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 Okay, the word haram is in one context, harm. So what is the harm of charging someone? First of all, Allah tells us to give to your brother a righteous a godly right loan and the, the good loan is the loan that you give me back what i gave you the purpose of the loan is to, is good faith to help you out loans should not be a business does that make sense what we're learning here is the concept that loaning should not be a business And that's what the danger of riba 
and introducing riba to loans is now you've taken something that should be the right of the community members to ask and to receive a loan to enable them to do business or to enable them to get out of their hardship. You've now profitized that. And this causes this unity in the community. Because now if I'm making a profit, I'm looking to see you in a position where you need to borrow from me. Similarly, another form of riba is insurance. So just recently, someone asked us about this. This is a form of riba. You put a certain amount of money in and we spend that money and we, we make business off that money and make a profit from that money and we don't give it to you. But we make a deal with you on paper. If your loved one dies, you won't take a loss. Don't even count it as if you will profit on the death of your loved one. Let's say it's life insurance. So if you say, look, I'll give you a million dollars if your loved one gets hit by a car, if your loved one gets sick, if your loved one, you know, dies, slips on the floor and dies, then the mind automatically starts to calculate benefits and losses and the person may start to hope, hey, that's a good deal. I would get a million dollars if he dies. No loss. I don't miss him. It's no loss. Whereas if you have your life wealth tied to this individual, then you're making dua for his health. You're making dua for his longevity, you're making dua for his success in the dunya. You see how we've changed it around by profiting, profiting from it? Yes, sir. Okay, so this is what the harm is. And also, again, once you do this, you now have pushed the poor, the one who normally is in need of a loan, he cannot get from out under the loan because now by percentages, you're constantly charging him more than what he paid. And it's for this reason, Allah gives us the example of what happens to the person who forces riba on other people. What's the punishment in the grave? He describes it in a way to make you understand the crime itself. What's the punishment? Does anybody know? I do not remember. Anybody else? Jazakallah khair. Okay, so the punish- he, his punishment is that he cannot stand from his grave except for the one who has been, been touched by the shaitan. No, this is an example of him now. Okay? This is, this is, the, this is the one that, of course, when he's resurrected, he's going to be like a crazy person. You're correct. I, sh- I stand corrected about that. But I said in the grave. What's the punishment while he's in the grave during the Barzakh period? Okay, so the answer to that is on an authentic hadith narrated, the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that in the grave there's going to be a person who is in a lake of blood. And an angel is going to open his mouth and stick a heavy stone in his mouth. And this stone is going to be swallowed. Like in this dunya, we can't swallow a big stone. But 
in the hereafter or in the grave, we're going to be able to swallow a stone. May Allah protect us from it. This stone will sink to our body, into our body, and because of its weight, it will drag us to the bottom of this bloody river. I'm sorry, this bloody lake. And at the bottom, we will struggle to get to the top again. We're in a lake of blood. Once we get to the stop and we swim back to the side to get ready to get out, what does the angel do? The angel walks up to us, pulls our mouth open, and sticks another huge, heavy stone or rock into our mouths and pushes us away from the shore. And then the person sinks down to the bottom of the lake again. It has to repeat this process over and over until the last day. Why do you think the punishment is in this way? Anyone? Because that's what that's what the people that they were doing that to went through. As soon as they would start to get out of their loan because of this percentage, they were stuck deeper into their loan. And the only choice they had was to take another loan to pay for the loan until they ended up in that perpetual cycle. And they never get out of this. And it ruins the quality of life of the people who have to pay it. And sometimes they'll do anything to get out of these overbearing debts. And one of the things that Allah's Messenger taught us to seek refuge from was debts that we can't pay. Overwhelming debts. And being coerced, forced to do things by people. Okay? So we know that this is one of the worst things that you can do to someone is put them in perpetual debt. Okay. Anything that anyone wants to add to that? Or we're going to start reading from the, the book now. Okay? We can start reading from the book. Go ahead, please. Bismillah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We are covering the 38 chapters of fiqh and outlining fiqh. And this is the second major part of fiqh, which is business transactions. And we are also explaining this with a summary of Islamic jurisprudence by Sheikh Saleh Fozan. And the current subchapter that we're on from the, the, the part of business transactions is Al-Bayr. Sheikh, should I read the poem of Al-Bayr first or go right to the PDF? Yes, you yes, you should read the poem okay. and then read the chapter, the, the portion on Bay. Uh, no, go ahead. Read the poem and then read the section on Riba. Bismillah. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Al-Bay or means to buy and sell and business transactions have rules as well. Ten specifics are defined. Conditions we must bear in mind. Options, interest, roots, and fruit because bad transactions don't con- don't compute. Advanced payments we pawn and make, collateral debt with loans we take, our words, our bond we're bound to keep, a debt transfer when ends don't meet, patent, copy, residual rights, all help merchants sleep at night. And in that, this is the subtopic of interest or riba. So we begin. Bismillah. The chapter six of riba. The Sheikh begins, Verily, the, the issue of riba is one of the most serious matters that should be tackled. In this regard, all of the heavenly revelations that have, have prohibited dealing in it. And Allah warns those dealing in it with se- the severest threat. 
Okay, no, before you go, before you go, before you go, go on. I want to make a point here. When he says in this regard, all of the heavenly revelations have prohibited dealing in it. He's referring to all the previous scriptures. Okay, so we're talking about the Torah, the Injil, and all the other books. Suhu for Ibrahim, Wa Musa, all these mentioned it. So this is important because one of the things that we can note is that if it is from the first of the revelations to the last of the revelations, the severity of the crime, even if we can't see it, and those actions that Allah's messenger has or Allah has informed us is from the earliest religion to the last of the forms of Islam, you know, because each nation had a distinct practice of Islam. But in some cases, there were things that all of us did in each one of those phases and each one of those nations. Like the Prophet ﷺ, he told us in a, in a famous hadith, one of the, the things that has come from the first of the revelations to the last of the revelations is that when you stand in the salah, you put your right hand over your left hand. So this is something, and we may think it is minuscule. It may not even look like a big deal to us. But it is amongst the original rules and rituals of worship that the very first humans were taught and the very last are well as well are being taught. And so when you find narratives that say amongst the things that came from the earliest nations and still are applicable today, this is it, the, the prohibition of riba, murder. These are earliest revelations that are still applicable today. So let's take it serious. That's the point. The point is to take it serious. And I say that because a lot of people, Muslims I'm referring to, we do not understand the severe, the severity of the criminality of riba. But Allah says about it, it's one of those things that Allah declares war against the person who does it. Okay? Allah is declaring war on them. So, continue. Naam. Allah exalted be he says what translated means. Those who consume interest cannot stand on the day of resurrection except as one stands who is being beaten by Satan into insanity. Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah number 275. In this verse, Allah decrees for the person who deals in riba and accepts its interest that he cannot stand from his grave except as one stands who is being beaten by Satan into insanity. This means that the usurer only stands from his grave like the epileptic when being at the time of paroxysm of epilepsy. Okay, which figuratively so may not know, people may not understand what he's talking about. You know, if, 
All you have to do is imagine someone in an epileptic fit. They're on the floor squirming and, 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 and shaking due to the uh, physical inability and the compulsions of the body. Okay, go ahead. Um, figuratively, this is because the usurer used to accept interest on his money in his life, and thereby his abdomen became bulky with it. Furthermore, Allah threatens the one who returns to dealing in riba after knowing that Allah has prohibited it, that he will be one of the inhabitants of the fire, wherein he will abide eternally. Allah exalted be he, says what translated means, but whoever returns to dealing in entry, excuse me, but whoever returns to dealing in interest or usury, those are the companions of the fire. They will abide eternally therein. Quran, okay, so in case, I'm sorry, go ahead. Complete. Ayah number 275. Okay, so Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 275. Here, I like to, when I see these ayat like this, I like to say, instead of he says, I like to be more clear and say he threatens us. Okay? Because when we say it this way, he threatens us. Or if he says, we might miss the subtlety that this is a threat. And so if you've been threatened by someone and you still do it, that is a sign of I am not afraid of you. Isn't that correct, guys? When you say, okay, someone threatens you or you threaten someone else and they still do it. Um, it seems like that's worse, isn't it? Yes, sir. Um, yes. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Allah, exalted be he, also threatens us. What may mean? Allah destroys interest and gives interest for charities. Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah number 276. Allah destroys interest and gives increase. But this is a bad translation. I guess charity is the word for sadaqah. I'm so used to hearing it as sadaqah. I'm not accustomed to hearing it as charities. No, that's that's good. It's a good translation. So, but the word increase, instead of increase, the word is profit. Yamhaqullahu riba, meaning Allah not only destroys with riba, but causes also riba to destroy things. However, yurbis sadaqa, sadaqa brings profit. So it's like it's showing that what you're looking for, what the person is looking for when they're doing interest on riba, they're looking for profit. But Allah is saying, no, there's no profit in riba. It's only destruction. It's only corruption. It'll corrupt everything. It'll corrupt society. If you want to read an interesting article on or subject matter study on riba read up, up read up on how riba destroyed the mongolian empire of genghis khan and kublai khan this huge massive empire amongst the things that destroyed it was riba when they started taking money loans and profit on money loans and it shows how they destroyed the society in that way 
Another one would be, I would say in Germany, but people might be biased against that as an example. So read the one about the Mongols. You can easily find it online by subject search. So he's telling us here a rule. Here, this is not a threat. This is a reality. Some words, some statements in the Quran are reality statements. No matter what you understand or do, no matter what it is, this is the reality. The reality is that riba will destroy and cause corruption. And profit will be gained by giving sadaqah. Okay? And the fact that Allah does not like sinning disbelievers. This is the facts of life. Continue. Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 276. Thus. Naam. This, this verse means that Wait, did we, did we read the above paragraph? I don't think we read the above paragraph. No. This verse okay. means that. No. Okay. Okay. Yes, I skipped that part. No, this ayah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I, I went down. Go ahead. This, this ayah. This ayah. Yes. This ayah means that Allah wipes out the blessing of money that is mingled with the interest gained from dealing in riba. Despite the fact that the usurer may become richer and richer, Allah will wipe off the blessing of his money and there will be no good in it. Rather, this money will result in bad consequences upon its owner. He will be weary in this life, punished in the hereafter, and it will be of no avail for him. In addition, Allah describes the usurer as a sinning disbeliever. Allah, exalted be he, says, what may mean Allah destroys interest and gives increase, gives profit for ch- for charities, and Allah does not like every sinning disbeliever. Quran Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah two seventy six. Thus, Allah tells us that He does not like those dealing in riba. Accordingly, deprivation of the divine love means being hated and detested by Allah. Therefore, Allah exalted be He calls the one dealing in riba a disbeliever. The word disbeliever may be interpreted according to two meanings. As for the first one, it refers to the person who is exceedingly ungrateful to the favors of Allah. Yet his disbelief does not mean that he is no longer a Muslim. In other words, the usurer shows ungratefulness to the divine favors but still believes in Allah. This is due to the fact that this person does not show mercy toward the disabled, help the poor, nor grant a respite to the insolvent person until the latter's circumstances allow him to pay, to settle his due debt. With regard to the second meaning, the word disbeliever may refer to the actual disbeliever who is no longer a Muslim. This is when such a person deals in ribah deeming it lawful. Hence Allah, exalted be he, describes such a person in this ayah as a sinning disbeliever since he is immersed in committing sins and wholly engulfed in enjoying the material benefits illegally acquired from riba, and at the same time causes harm to others. Okay, Furthermore, Allah... One yes. One second, please. All right, so... We're talking about disbelief, but the word is kafir, okay? 
which is kufr, disbelief, the act, the one who is doing the act of kufr. Amongst the things you can understand from the definition that is explained here is that there's two types of kufr. Kufr akbar, or great, the greater kufr, and kufr asgar, the lesser kufr. Lesser kufr is considered ingratitude. Ingratitude of the ni'mah, the blessings that Allah has. And one of the descriptions of the ungrateful one is that of a cow. And that's because a cow keeps his head down facing the dunya and is only concerned with filling his gut. Right? Eats and continues to eat. (laughs) Fills one gut, then fills his second gut, then vomits what's in one gut and starts chewing it again. He doesn't look up and say, what a nice day it is today. Oh, my nice. Oh, look at the sunset. Oh, look at the, 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 the mountain over here. Look what a nice house. No, his whole focus is on filling his gut. And so this is called kufru ni'amillah, ingratitude towards the blessings of Allah, even if he is still an acknowledging Muslim. An acknowledging Muslim is someone who believes in Allah and believes in the resurrection, right? And this person just doesn't appreciate all that Allah is doing for him. So this is kufr ni'amillah. The second type of kufr that is referred to here is kufrul akbar, where the person is doing a gr- the greater kufr, and that is to disbelieve in Allah in itself, to disbelieve in Islam as the only way that we have to live, disbelieve in the resurrection, or that one is going to be held accountable. Because we have the people of the book who also believe in resurrection, but they don't believe that they will be held account to Allah for not accepting Islam. So this is Kufru Akbar and Kufru Asgar. Okay? Now, he mentioned here a small thing, says he's no longer Muslim. It doesn't mean that the person has had to have been a Muslim to participate in any part of this kufr. This is just they were thinking about one thing and, and included it to make sure people understood but what I'm saying here is not to be confused. You don't have to have been a Muslim and then made uh, gotten out of Islam to participate in this kufr. Continue. Bismillah. Now, furthermore Allah exalted be he as well as his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, have declared war against the usurer since the latter is an enemy of Allah and his messenger, unless he stops dealing in riba. Allah describes the usurer as a wrongdoer. As he says what translated means, O you who have believed, fear Allah and give up what remains due to you of interest, if you should be believers. And if you do not, then be informed of a war against you from Allah and his messenger. But if you repent, you may have your principle. Thus, you do no wrong, nor are you wronged. Okay, Quran, so let's stop. Surah Al-Baqarah. 278. 278 through 9. Okay, so, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, So notice again, the statement begins with, O you who have believed. So we notice there's a trend here. Allah is showing us that riba and participating in it is an issue of iman. Okay? First he calls the ones who are engulfed in it, and 
we see that the engulfment is also shown in the punishment, that they're drowned and totally surrounded by it. And it's because they're making their money from it. And that money is being spent in every aspect of the life. So, of course, they're surrounded by it and totally engulfed in it and drowning in it. It's one of those types of sins. So comprehensive. So now you start to, again, make profit over other people's harming other people. So if you have believed, you'll live without it. And you'll, you'll trust that Allah will give you more ni'mah than what you're going through. Please, Mr. Abdurashid, please turn off your microphone. So, so you say, oh, you have believed. If you believed, then you will have fear of Allah. But here the word he says fear, but in actuality the word is taqillah. And taqwallah means to know the rules, know the laws of Allah and apply them before you're judged for not knowing them and not applying them. Okay, for being criminally negligent of knowing them and for being criminal and not applying them properly. So, and give up what remains to you of riba. So, if you were getting riba, so a lot of us who were raised in the West, we didn't know about riba. So, we had our monies in the bank and the bank was giving us a small percentage of riba. So we're supposed to give it up. We're not supposed to request it. Okay? Give up. What do you do with it then? In a practical sense, ulama are at odds what to do when the bank gives you riba. Especially since there are very few banks that are not collecting your money and spending it and making business of it and not giving you any profit from it. So this is a very complicated issue. And that's why people are engulfed in it. Because the person who puts his money in the bank and then that bank takes his money and does a business deal and makes profit from it, that person is due a percentage of that wealth, the profit. And the percentage he's due is based on how much money he had in that bank. The problem with this is the bank does not show any transparency of what it is buying and whose money exactly they took and used in it. Because the bank may have, let's say, a million dollars in from just the people in that particular bank that they took their money from and they're holding it for them. But they may, as a corporation, take money from three different banks and do a business deal in that particular region or somewhere else and make money for themselves and not give any of that money profit to the people they got the money from. And this is illegal in Islam. Okay? But they presented like we're doing you a favor and we're giving you a gift by returning to them a small percentage of the riba. What should the person do in this case? Some ulama have said that he should take the money and give it as sadaqah, whatever he gets, because it shows you on your paperwork how much interest you got. He should take that money and give it as sadaqah. Others say, no, he shouldn't touch it. should leave it in the bank and only take out his principal, what he initially put in the bank, and he should keep check of that. Others say that he can take that money as a partial payment of what he's owed and make dua to Allah, that they give him the rest that he is owed, yawm al-qiyamah, since they used his money 
to do business and they're keeping it from him, holding him out, not, not treating him fairly. And so he can use that money. So there's, you know, really, are you doing riba or are you not doing riba? It falls back on your intention. What are you intending to do and what you have the ability to do? Because Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that my ummah is forgiven for everything that they are mubtarrun ilay. Forced, coerced in, having no choice in the matter. And others say, well, you can have an interest-free account, but your interest-free account does not save you from them stealing your money or not stealing, embezzling your money. And it's not stealing because, I remember in fifth class, we talked about this. Stealing is to take it from a secure place that you don't have a key for and you don't have authority over and use it for your own gain. Whereas embezzlement is you have the authority over this particular item, but you're using it in a way that is not legally sound or fair to the uh, other people, which is what they're doing here. They're embezzling the money, making money from it and refusing to share the profits after using your money and my money. So for that reason, the person is owed as well. To me, this makes it a very, very confusing, a very a complicated issue because it's so mixed up. The thing that we have to, again, keep clear is our intention. May Allah provide us with a real Muslim bank that we can use in order to do business and to handle the affairs of our lives. Amen. So then the next word he says, if you are actually believers, then practice this. Don't just say it. Okay. If you should be believers. And if you don't do it, then be on alert. Be informed. Don't say you did not know. And this is another beautiful point in the Quran that we can take and use as a principle. Every time Allah is going to punish us in the hereafter, he tells us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He tells us what is a crime, what the crime is. And that you will be punished if you do this. And he totally promises. So there are some things that we as an ummah have made illegal for ourselves. But you don't find this warning anywhere. We've assumed it. No. What is forbidden has a written, clearly written example and order and threat. Everything that is illegal has been clearly laid out for us. Everything that is obligatory, farad, wajib, has been clearly and unequivocally explained to us what we have to do. And everything else, you're free. You're free to do or not to do. And you have an excuse if you're, you're confused about it and goes back to what you understood and what your intention was. Here, Allah informs us that he's going to go to war with whoever does riba. Okay? Him and his messenger. Then he tells us, if you're still living with this, but you repent, you can keep your money, your principle. Then he says, you haven't done any zulm. You haven't been wrong, so you won't be wrong. Okay, 
Okay, so a dhulm is different than the word wrong. Wrong is real weak when it comes to dhulm. Dhulm is the opposite of justice. Okay? Al-adl. So you've done no injustice. So no injustice will be done to you. A dhulm is a criminal, a type of criminal, an extremist. That's what a dhulm is. He exceeds the limits of humanity. So this language is very strong. Continue. Nam. In addition to all these prohibitive Quranic ayat that deter dealing in riba and accepting interest, many other prohibitive hadiths are stated in the Prophet's sunnah tradition. That is, the Prophet wasallam, has regarded riba as one of the great destructive sins. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has also cursed the one who accepts riba, the one who pays it, the one who records it, and the two witnesses to it. Moreover, okay. the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Let's, let's, let's stop here. Like I said earlier, everything that is forbidden to us has been clearly, unequivocally laid out to us. So he says the one... Who had the, the Prophet ﷺ regards riba of one of the greatest destructive, corruptive sins. And like we said earlier, everything that is haram causes harm, even if we do not understand it. He also cursed the one who did it. La'natullah, the curse of Allah, may Allah have no mercy on this person. That's what the curse of the Messenger of Allah and of the people is. To you be far away from the mercy of Allah. May Allah not allow that for ourselves and make us close to the mercy of Allah. Not just the one who accepts it, but the one who pays it. Of course, this is paying it of free will. Go back to that word again, free will, not the person who is forced to. The one who records it, even the one who records it, why? Because he is perpetuating it. And the two witnesses to it. Whoever takes part in the destruction of society, because that's what Riva is doing, it is destroying the society. So everyone who's taken part in it is part of that genocide, part of that destruction. And this teaches us a lesson for other matters as well. Whoever accepts the haram, whoever spends money and pays for the haram, whoever records it as they, this is a good record, not those who are recording it to protect it, like the angels who are writing it down for justice purposes. And anybody who volunteers, not volunteers, but dares to bear witness to it, witness it like it's cool. All of these people are helping to defy the laws of Allah and to violate them, in fact. And everyone is a co-conspirator to the crime. And all of them will receive a portion of punishment unless Allah forgives them. Okay? So here, this is what we need to understand about any issue in Islam. The same thing has to, it goes down. 
people from all angles who are involved in it, who are profiting from it, who are making like it's okay, who, who are writing it down and helping them so they can have a record for themselves, all of them are complicit in the crime. Okay? Go ahead. Nah. Moreover, the Prophet ﷺ said that if one benefits from only one dirham of riba when he knows that it is ill-gotten money, it will be more than the evil of committing adultery 33 times. Okay, so listen to that. He says, in, in the, and I'm going to read a little further. He says, in another narration, the Prophet ﷺ elucidated, he made it clear to us, what is he talking about? Riba is like committing adultery, having ultramarital or outer marital sex 36 times. And that's after the advent of Islam, meaning after you've accepted Islam. And if you're born Muslim, then it's after you've made the decision to live your life as a Muslim, as a Muslim adult, conscious of the, 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 the prohibition of it. Now, we just have to think about that for a minute. You know, it's, it, think about it. Nowadays, many people are, aren't having sex with different people. But imagine someone making adultery with 36 different people. Because this is what is intended by 36 times. Not the same person. 36 different acts of adultery, of zina. Okay, and when he mentions adultery, we have to imagine the, the worst of it. 36 different people after Islam. For someone that he even have that many sexual partners is obscene to some of us. Okay, after the advent of Islam. And in a haram way. And then he goes and says further, he and explains it even further. Riba is 72 degrees of evil. And the least of the evil resembles in its sinfulness, meaning it's equal in its evil and sinfulness of a man committing adultery with his own mother. So if we can think, or a woman having intercourse with her father, So this explains the type of adultery. A person in this state, we would say he is a sick and she is a sick individual. And this is because you are the person is destroying society. The smallest unit of society is the family. Someone who would take pleasure at having intercourse with their parents is a totally selfish person. That the the, 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 the the sexual pleasure is more important than whom they do it to. Like the person doing riba. His desire to get joy out of making money is the highest thing he's thinking. He doesn't care who he harms by this. Just like the person having sex with their parent doesn't care who they're having sex with. They just want to have sex. And this is what I can imagine is the connection between the two. Continue. In this connection. Nah. In this connection, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, may Allah have mercy on him, said, 
the prohibition of riba is stronger because of its degree of sinfulness than the prohibition of gambling. This is because the usurer takes unlawfully and increase the interest from a person who is in need, while the gambler may gain this increase or lose it. So it's again showing that it's clear everyone, why is he saying all these things? Allah is teaching us these things, and Ibn Taymiyyah and other ulama of the past, may Allah have mercy upon them, have taken extra time to point out how much more sinful riba is to other things that we clearly acknowledge are sinful. And that's because most people do not recognize the sinfulness or the harm of riba. Well, if someone's stupid enough to pay it, right, then it's okay. No, it's not okay. And it's not as, you know, black and white as I just stated it. Someone's stupid enough to pay it. No, they're forced to. We're all paying riba right now. If you have a utility bill, any late fees, those, that's all riba. Every late fee is riba. Why are you paying an extra fee? Because it's late. Okay? So, we're forced to in these situations. So Allah is teaching us and his messenger, sallallahu and his, the, the, the ulama that came, the inheritors of the prophet, they're all teaching us, this is worse than having sex 36 times, having sex with your parents. It's worse than that. It's worse than gambling. Why? Because the gambler, he's putting up his own money. He could win and he could lose. Whereas a person who's doing riba, who's forced into riba, he doesn't want to pay the extra fee. He's getting nickel and dimed from his own money. And it's hurting his quality of life. He's sometimes the bill with the riba is more than the actual bill. And he has to give up food and other things of his life just to pay it. And the pressures on his family and all these things are destroying the quality of life. Then Ibn Taymiyyah demonstrated. Go ahead, please. Then Ibn Taymiyyah demonstrated that riba, beyond doubt, is injustice. This is because when dealing in riba, the rich person invests his power over the poor, the borrower. While in gambling, the poor may gain money from the rich, or both gamblers may be equal in poverty or richness. Then he added, as gambling involves taking money unjustly, Allah prohibits it. Yet the injustice and harm afflicted upon the needy person has to borrow due to riba are not the case in gambling. Furthermore, it is known that doing injustice to those in need, as in the case of riba, is graver than doing injustice to others who are not in need. In addition to this, taking the interest accrued from riba transactions is one of the characteristics of the Jews, for which they have deserved eternal and continual curse. Allah, exalted be he, says what may mean. For wrongdoing on the part of the Jews, we made unlawful for them certain good foods which had been lawful to them, and for their averting from the way of Allah many people, and for their taking of usury, while they had been forbidden from it, and their consuming of the people's wealth unjustly. And we have prepared for the disbelievers among them a painful punishment. Quran, Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 160 through 161. Notice again that he calls those who do this disbelievers. 
Okay? They, because he has told them, look, you must obviously don't believe that you're going to go to war with Allah. You obviously are not believing because I've told you not to do this and you're still doing it. Listen to what he says here. For their volume, from the volume, that's the same word he used before. The oppression. Listen to that. Oppression. Not just wrongdoing. That's, that's an easy way of saying it. On their part, Allah forbids certain things from them that had been lawful. And they're averting people, meaning blocking people from the way of Allah. And for their aklihimu riba. In the Arabic means they're eating riba. And they had been prohibited from doing that. So what did they do? They played games. They don't charge each other riba, but they charge everyone who's a non-Jew riba. They say, yeah, we were prohibited from it, so we don't do it. But we do it to you. And we learned a principle that anything Allah has made haram, he has made haram the price for it, right? So if it's haram, then you can't get paid for it either. Then he says, and they're consuming the people's wealth unjustly. And that's the, the produce of the riba, that they ate the people's wealth. Okay? Out of oppression. And oppressed the people so they couldn't eat. Alhamdulillah. Allah says, I prepare for these disbelievers a painful punishment. And we seek refuge in Allah from that. Go ahead, continue. The wisdom behind prohibiting dealing in riba. Nah, the wisdom behind prohibiting dealing in riba. Dealing in riba involves consuming people's wealth unjustly. That is, the usurer takes riba from people without giving them anything useful in return. Dealing in riba involves causing harm to those in need and who borrow by increasing the debts due upon them, interest rates when they are unable to pay their debts. Riba prevents favors and kind treatment among people, blocks good loans, i.e. loans without interests, opens the door wide for lending for interest, which overburdens the needy, the needy borrower. Riba also results in stopping gains, trades, professions, and crafts without which other people's interests would not be set right. This is because when the usurer increases his money through riba without exerting any effort, then why should he look for other ways to gain his livelihood? In this regard, Allah, exalted be he, has made dealings among people be based on mutual benefit in return for work or a material return. On the other hand, dealing in riba does not involve this, since it is simply giving money multiplied from one party to another without any visible product or work. Linguistically, the word riba in Arabic means increase, while jurisprudentially, riba means increase in particular things, and it is divided into two kinds. The first is riba, riba nasia, conditional excess for delay of payment, and the other kind is riba al the selling of an item for another item of the same type on the spot, but in excess. Okay, so now let's go through that, run through this real quick, okay? Not real quick, but yes, just real quick. So, Allah 
has, I'm sorry, the Shaykh here, Hafizullah, he gives us four main reasons of, for the prohibition of riba. And the reason why I'm taking that time and just going through that, we're going to end here, is because we have to get it in our hearts that riba is haram. You have to understand it. It's the consumption of people's wealth from a vulm, without justice. Okay? Like he says, giving them nothing in return that is useful. It's playing games. It harms the people who need, makes their borrowing, changes their, makes their borrowing a, a torture for them, right? The increased interest rates. I've seen people bugging out over these interest rates. Oh, now this happened. It rained, so now the interest rate went up. What do you mean it just went up out of the blue? Right? Because I need some extra money for myself. Then you, you miss the date and they charge you more. Keep playing games. You pay for the thing three, four times. It prevents kind treatment and favors. Look at that. This is what we're talking about, the quality of life. Now, why should I loan you money when I can loan you money and get more money for me loaning you money? So it stops people from being having shared humanity and concern for their fellow man. And now they look at the fellow man as just a customer. A possible profit. And that's what we see nowadays with many of the products that they sell and how they go around preventing certain technologies from being implemented in a, in a global way or in a international fashion because it's going to mess with my money. Okay? So this is making people like animals to each other. Vultures and picking at the the, the poor and the, those who are in, in a weaker position, taking advantage of them. And Islam has come to protect, preserve and protect. Prioritize and in all ways respect my being, my mind, my wealth, my honor, my lineage, myself. So this is why in protection of my honor, my lineage, and my wealth, then I am not going to take part in rebound. And this is, again, the reason why Allah made it hard. Okay? So, the next one, as he said, stops people from looking for other work. This is good money here. I was listening to an audio history of Germany, and they were saying how many of the Israelite People were involved in money loaning and how it destroyed economies in whole cities, this act of money loaning. Okay, so properties were being bought up because people could not pay their loans. And they lost them, emptied out the city, caused people to kill themselves. Continue. Oh, well, no, we're going to stop here because Riba Nisia and Riba Fadl we need time to sit through and go through these, and I don't want to go through these and then jump out of our class. We don't have time to finish it in the long way. Next class, we'll take our time again and go through these, each one. Today's lesson is to acknowledge that riba is haram and riba causes harm, and to get that through our heads, okay, and into our hearts. And understand that Allah is waging war on those people who commit riba. And we are all committing riba unwillingly when we pay our debts and there's late fees and these things like that. So we should hate it in our hearts. We should hate the fact that we are forced to. 
paid this riba, and we should do everything we can do in order to prevent it. Subhanakallahum. And if we can't, then we should make istighfar and make dua and, and tell Allah, you know, we, you know, complain to Allah that we don't want to do riba and we don't see a way out and ask Allah to make a way out for us. Do I have any questions? Okay, with that said, Mr. Mr. Ayub, you make sure you get this tape to Tyler Boyd so he can do what he needs to do with it. Subhanaka, and again, Tyler Boyd cut the ending off where it's necessary. <laughs>